Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. This is my true love, The Office. There could be no better thing to talk about. Welcome back, everyone, once again to That's What They Said. So, dip your meat in red wine, take a good whiff of a scented candle, and get to the conference room, stat, because it's time for the podcast where a father and a son analyze the greatest TV show of all time, The Office. My son, Griffin, has is here as usual. Hey, everyone. Getting warmed up here as we work our way down. The top 10, so we're counting down the top 10 episodes of The Office, our top 10 of all time, as voted by us, therefore we're correct. Griff, why don't you review what we've done so far? Okay, so uh, first episode, 10, was um, basketball. That's right. And then after that, we went to Company Picnic. Company Picnic. Then the last episode was The Injury. That was last week. We did The Injury, which was number 8, and so we're up to number 7, which is... Griff, do the honors. Dinner party. Dinner party. Infamous episode. I feel like for people who, even for people who aren't fans of The Office, they know about this episode. Just like the awkwardness and like, it's legendary. The show is known for its cringeworthy moments, just uncomfortable situations. This one might be the most cringeworthy. Minus Scott's tots. Oh, you're right. That might be even more. (laughs) And that one, spoiler alert, is not going to make our top ten. Because I purposely put that out just because that one's literally hard to watch. That's the one. Yeah. Once you watch it once, you've watched it enough times. You yeah. never have to watch it ever again. Yeah. And just so we don't leave you in suspense, the the plot of that one is, which comes later in the series, the plot of that one is Michael. We soon learn has years ago pledged to pay this college uh, tuition for like a dozen kids, maybe even more. It's like a whole class, a whole classroom of kids. The day finally rolls around as the episode begins, and Michael has less money than he did like 10 years ago. (laughs) He assumes he'll be a millionaire by that point, but then he has to go to the classroom and explain to them that he cannot pay for their college tuition as they're like singing and dancing for him, like saying that you've changed my life, Mr. Scott. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. And he has to say, oh, but every student needs a laptop, and because of that, I brought you all laptop batteries. batteries. It's the best he can do, right? So, but let's return to Dinner Party. It was the 13th episode of the fourth season, originally aired April 10th, 2008, just about 12 years ago. The office workers are stuck working overtime on a major assignment, we think. It turns out it's a ruse because Michael Scott has actually cooked this up, told everybody they have to work overtime, so they have to put aside this whole Friday night. Then he pretends to get on a phone call with corporate. I just got off the phone. The horn, sorry. Off the horn. Off off the the horn horn with corporate. And he pretends that he's the hero. He's told corporate to stick it. Therefore, Jim and Pam are, by definition, available for the night, and they cannot say no when Michael invites them to a dinner party. He also invites Angela and Andy because they're a couple – and uh, Dwight gets left out because he's not a couple. That's that's so the, the, we thought. So Michael we thought. Gets Dwight, so we thought. Dwight gets left out. Right. So they get to the the dinner party. Things are awkward from the beginning just because we're getting an inside glimpse of um, Michael's relationship with his girlfriend, 
Jan, of course, Jan Levinson Gould, who's had this fight. No Gould. No, no Gould. Gould, right. The Gould was gone in season one, sorry. Jan Levinson. And uh, all kinds of awkward moments. They're calling each other babe. And then tension starts to rise because, in part, Jan keeps playing this song that her intern Hunter wrote, which Michael can't stand. They have fight over charades. Dwight shows up with a strange date who is strangely older than him. That's creepy. Things come to uh, a crescendo. Uh, three, year, three, uh, three hours later when dinner is finally ready. Oh, right, right, right. Jim and, and Pam just want to eat. And it goes, and Pam and Jan is inexplicably cooking also buco, which takes hours and hours to cook. And when they find, by the time they finally eat, everyone's, the, or uh, Michael and Jan are basically at each other's throats, sniping at each other, escalates. Jan picks up one of Michael's beloved Dundee trophies, which are really only worth about $3.75, <laughs> but chucks it at his TV, which is plasma, a, screen, plasma TV. screen TV. We'll get into all this. And then the police come because they hear of a disturbance. Michael goes home with Dwight. They're sad, and um, everyone else just, just is delighted to get out of that room. So um, we, go, we go through categories on this show. We do best lines. We do trivia. We pick an MVP and a sleeper. We point out errors in the segment known as shooting it. We'll do our George Foreman Grill Hot Take of the Week. We'll award some dundies. And don't forget, deleted scene in between That's sleeper right. and shooting it. That's right. We will treat you with a deleted scene that you've never heard from. And by the way, you're going to learn some stuff about this episode. I guarantee you've never heard because I didn't know. And I, I've done some research, folks. So get excited. All right. Should we go right to best lines, Griff? Let's hit it. Okay. My first line is, it's in the cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's such a great line that first time you watch the show because it, it shows Michael's intelligence, how much he's thought this out. Because when he asked Jim and Pam to go to dinner, right before Jim can even say anything, he says, you said you didn't have any plans. You yep. said you didn't have plans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is genius. It, it is. It's, it's, it's one of the few moments where one of Michael's schemes actually works. Me, Casa, little dinner dancing drinks. Oh, I... You said you didn't have plans. And Jim is just stuck. <laughs> that's what you said. <laughs> also, I wonder if when he said, that's what you said, I wonder if that was a little nod to that's what she said. Just a little twist on it. I don't know. Maybe not. That's a good one. Second line, mm-hmm. when they're talking about the Dundies, the first time they're talking about the Dundies, Michael is talking about them, and Jan says he had to choose between the neon beer sign and the Dundies, and he said, she said, choose the Dundies, choose the Dundies, and then Michael says, uh, I have the best trophy right here, babe, aside yep. from my Dundies. I wrote, I wrote <laughs> that down, too. I wrote that line down, too. Yeah, he, you think he's going to do say something nice. I have the best trophy right here, and he's putting his arm around Jan, and he says, except my, other than my Dundies. Good one. And then last one I have, a little subtle one. I like the little like subtle jabs you don't really see unless like you have closed captioning on and you're like right. deeply analyzing it yep. like we do. Three hours from now or three hours from earlier, like four o'clock? You know, Pam, in Spain, they often don't even start eating until midnight. When in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so It's funny because when in Rome, it, it's, it's funny on two, two levels. One, that's not where you use the expression because they're not in... Rome, they're not in a place where this is the custom. Right. They're not in Spain. Is basically, and then <laughs> he's saying when in Rome, thinking that Rome is in Spain, in Spain or something. Mine, I had, you got two of the ones that I got also. And uh, Michael has just a, a slew of malaprops. One of the ones that's kind of famous is he takes a sip of the wine and he's trying to act like a connoisseur. And he says, mm, it has kind of an oaky afterbirth. And then, <laughs> and then there's, a, there's a beat and Jim goes, 
what was that? <laughs> like, he doesn't he doesn't even want to let that one go. And then as far as the rest of the line goes, they play a, a game of I guess it's not charades technically. It's it's celebrity what we would call celebrities I think it's I charades. Think. But well, so they're allowed to talk. So it's not exactly charades. They they you know they're trying to describe. You just describe the celebrity, and then the other person just has to shout it out. It's the simplest of games. Michael is not great at it, and I just love the sequence where... See, I actually gave this my Dundee. Oh, you did? This is my best scene Dundee for the episode. Should we do it now, or should we wait on it? Do it now. Do, do it, it now. now. Okay. okay. I think it's the one of the best scenes in the entire show, I honestly. Agree. So the, okay. So it's, it's Michael's turn, and he starts it off with a bang, and let's listen in. All right, you're up. All right, here we go. This is going to be fun. Ready? Go. All right. First name is Tom. No, no, no. No names. A... No names. No rhyming. <laughs> all right, all right, no sound alike. Right, okay, okay, okay. You're getting it into my head. First name is Blank, and he goes on a cruise. He goes on a Caribbean cruise. I don't know. Katie Holmes. No. Ah! But he's married her. Oh, Dawson's Creek. No. No, it has to be a real person, Jim. Come on. Okay. No, no. I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. Uh, okay. Um, rhymes with... Arnold Schwarzenegger. No rhyming. That's not really not... a rhyme. Okay, not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> okay, he's the governor of California. He is the Terminator. Those aren't helpful. Tom Cruise. No. Tom. <laughs> Does anybody read the paper? So that's the worst. Game. I just love how Jim throws the game. He, he's supposed to guess it oh correctly. Oh my god! But it, he, in the name of comedy, he has to throw the it's game. It's one of the only jokes he makes in the entire episode because he's so like freaked out and so like. Yeah, J- just awkward. Uh, like the whole situation is making him so uncomfortable. Yeah, we see these cutaways where he's in the bathroom, just lamenting that how uncomfortable he is. Right. That's it for best lines. Do That's you have, all. Uh, no, you have more? no. I did one of them. We just heard in that clip, but it was kind of Jan under her breath when Michael says, "Jim was laughing. Look, Jim was laughing. Jim's completely stone faced." <laughs> and you hear Jan towards the end of that sequence go, "No smile," <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was kind of underrated. All right. Trivia. We're up to tr- we're up to trivia. 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 All right. You Mine are kind of easy this time. Actually, probably for you they'll be easy, but okay. hopefully for the audience, they're a little tough. Um, this one's kind of hard. How many times have Jim and Pam been able to dodge dinner with Michael? Nine times. That's correct. Nine Thank times. You. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know why I noticed that this time around, but yeah. Um, next one. What color did Jan paint the master bedroom? Eggshell white? Eggshell white. All right, I'll take it. It needs to be a little softer. That's right. It's <laughs> a good question. And then Michael proceeds to say, uh, funny, actually, eggshell white and white, they're the exact same thing. <laughs> um, and then finally, oh, this is kind of a hard one. Who does Andy act out in his first, like, charades? He does. It's oh. Joe Montana to get to Joe Montana, but who does he act out before that? He... Uh, Joe Camel from the cigarettes. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. And then Pam counters by saying, "Why didn't you just say 49 as quarterback?" If you think about yeah. it, it's so weird. Like, yeah, who you go from Joe Camel just to get the word? Joe. I know, I know. It's kind of like he, any wa- other he wanted show? to do the camel. The other thing funny about that sequence is Angela is actually trying and she's terrible. Like Mike, it's true. <laughs> like Michael says. Cal- the governor of California and the Rhymes Terminator. with Schwarzenegger. And Angela says. These aren't helping. <laughs> it's weird. She also couldn't get, his name is Tom, and he goes on a Caribbean cruise. cruise. Right. Here's one for you. Name two characters in this episode who shed tears. One of them known for shedding tears, perhaps. The other one typically not known for shed, shedding tears. Interesting. Um, 
does Jan at some point? That's right. Yeah, she definitely she definitely starts to cry like at the dinner table practically. And then I'll give you a hint. The other one did not occur in Michael's condo. It occurred early in the show before they got the, really before everyone got the Michael's condo. I have no idea. Dwight cries when he admits, oh! he, he admits to the camera that he, he actually is bummed out. Oh, my God. That's that a great didn't one. didn't get invited. Thank you. Thank you. What were the two Broadway shows that Michael and Jan were considering seeing, and which one did they end up going when to? When we saw, when we looked between, I wanted to go to Stomp and you wanted to go to Wicked. What do we see? <laughs> Wicked. We, we, we saw right. Wicked. That's right. Absolutely right. And the last question, this this will open up a small can of worms, but it'll be a delicious can of worms, I promise. The song, the infamous song, uh, Jan's assistant, Hunter, the song, what's it called? That Night? That, one that, Night. One Night. That one, one night. night. Here's the question. What What is the song actually about? Do you know? Not about sex. It is about sex, but right. between whom? I mean, Jan, is this obvious? Is it Jan and Hunter? Yes, that's correct. Oh! So... I looked into this, and the, if you go to Rolling Stone Magazine's website, I think you could find this. They do an oral history of this episode of The, op- the Office. And the, here, here's a quote from the writer, Gene Stupnitsky. He says, We like the idea that Michael was clueless, and it was clear to everyone else that Jan took her ex-assistant's virginity. He wrote the song clearly about Jan and how she made him a man, right? And it was a terrible song. Watching uh, Michael just kind of looking like there's nothing in his eyes, kind of bopping his head along slightly. He likes the song. He has no clue. Now, here's just a tiny bit more about this song. The, uh, the writer of this, this song, Hunter's song, is actually Todd Fancy, who is a guitarist for the band The New Pornographers. He says, I got a call from my friend Alan, uh, Allison Schneider, who is vice president of musical creative services for NBC. She said, do you want to give this a shot? He said, sure, do it. They sent me the lyrics. I was living in Vancouver. I just went downstairs to my apartment, and boom, it came really quick. I wrote it on acoustic guitar. My direction was, make it sound kind of amateur. He's a struggling musician. They actually went back and forth on this song. They told the guy, like, we don't love this one. Go do another one. So he's got these, if you, if you go on the net, you can, find, you can find these alternate versions of the song. Listen to this. This one almost sounds too good, right? I guess so. We never hear like that little intro. Oh, here it is. Right. See, this sounds a little better. Yeah, it sounds professional. Right. It's still not good, but it's just interesting. I mean, who knew that they took such pains to actually do that? So that's uh, trivia. Should we do, um, should we move on, Griff? Sure. Yeah, trivia? let's do no. that. Okay, we're moving on to MVP. All right, MVP. You do yours first. Mine's not, like, revolutionary or anything. I, I picked Jim. Did you pick Jim, too? I did not pick oh, Jim. Oh, okay. I like him when we pick difference. Um, I picked Jim because he's under great duress and he still gets off some of the best lines in the show. Uh, we already mentioned a couple of them, the Tom Cruise line that we just heard. And, um, 
I don't know. To me, he was he he's we view the dinner party through his eyes pretty much. He's the one probably mm-hmm. cringing more than anybody else. Oh, and the final was the face he makes after sniffing Jan's candle. <laughs> it's it's like I don't know if I could that that's amazing acting. He he looks like he's about to puke. Exactly. Like, legitimately. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't know if I could will that face without actually smelling something bad. Like you turn and his face almost like scrunches up like, oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever smelled in my world in my life. Okay. My MVP is Jan. Wow. See, Jan was my sleeper. Spoiler alert. Really? But, yeah, but I like this pick. I think it's obvious that Jan just carries the entire episode. She carries the awkwardness and yep. makes all the... Yep. She carries the plot, actually, because she sets up a lot of it. She may, gets in the fight with Michael. She is the reason why the food's taking so long. And she has her whole business. Like, we yeah, learn a lot right. about Jan in this we episode. We do, you're right. You're it's right. one of the only episodes where she's the main lead, I would say. You're right. She she definitely plays a big part, but the the actress, I remember reading this in the previously, uh, the aforementioned Rolling Stone article, that she she kind of pushed the, the character herself, the actress. It was actually her idea to get a boob job, for the character to get a boob job. She didn't get a boob job in real life. And that the boob job happened just prior to the episode that we're talking about and kind of started her downward spiral into complete insanity. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we get to see that insanity on display. It's, it's, it's a great, great pick. Great pick. Um, sleeper, though, I can hit you with is Angela. Oh, another good one. Thank you. Fine. You, Angela. You, you win the week on this some one. Of the good, yeah. Some yeah. of the best lines here, actually. I love the plot, how she advances when mm-hmm. she is going with the fact that Pam has a crush on Michael. Yeah. And she, like, gangs up <laughs> on Pam with Jan. It, yep. it kind of almost became my hot take that Angela and Jan are, like, the same person because she would, like, agree with everything she said. And Angela never agrees with people. She, like, is always cold. And then my, another one of my favorite lines by her is when Michael and Jan are fighting, like, obviously fighting, but joking about it. And Michael's saying, I'm in hell. I'm in hell. She's the devil. And then Angela goes, you shouldn't joke about that. I know. That was a great <laughs> line. I actually wrote that down as one of, as one of the lines. Yeah. Yeah, Angela is, well, they're, they're, Angela and Jan are both, you know, severe. And I feel like Angela is, is put in there to bring down the other happy people in the episode. She, she just brings down everyone. Like, she, 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 she's cutting down Pam, like you said. She won't give Andy the time of day. You know, twice. We barely Andy, even see Andy in this episode. I know. He makes, he makes a couple little comments, but he tries to give her a flower at the beginning of the episode. She says, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, I think that's because of that deleted scene. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm thinking of a different deleted scene. Oh, well, no. Well, go ahead. The, the one where Angela's like, I recently didn't find you extremely repulsive. That's and correct, I'm just yeah. trying to tolerate you right now. Yep. And you're making it really difficult for me to tolerate you. Yeah, there's, there's a deleted scene where Angela explains her relationship with Andy and it it's exactly as it's as, as horrible as Griff describes it like like the best you can do is I'm, I'm learning to tolerate you wow true love sad um so yeah so in my my sleeper was Jan and um excellent excellent picks so in a moment we're gonna, we're gonna treat you to a deleted scene after I tell you about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network how would you like your own podcast we can produce one for you whether you're a lawyer financial advisor business owner or really any kind of professional you should have your voice 
heard through this exciting new medium. It's a great way of meeting prospects, inviting them onto your show. It's a great way of keeping in touch with clients. As we record this, we are in this delicate period where most of us are staying home in some mode of quarantine because of the coronavirus. Uh, hopefully, as you hear this, that it's calmed a little bit. But we are producing a lot of podcasts here at the Boston Podcast Network on behalf of professionals who look to reach their clients remotely. It's a great way. Everybody's home. Everybody's listening. They're waiting to hear from you. Have your own podcast. Visit pod617.com in pod we trust. All right, let's go to the deleted scenes. There's a great sequence where Michael describes his ultimate dinner. My ideal dinner party. Easy. Jim Pam, Ryan, the mayor, (laughs) Barack Obama, Shiloh Jolie Pitt. Because at the end of the night, Brad or Angelina would have to come and pick him up, and I would get to meet them. Shia Beef, because of Disturbia. Um, <laughs> all of the children of the world. <laughs> Val Kilmer, but he probably wouldn't come. Say? Too famous. Obviously, George Clooney. Um, and Jan, definitely, if there was room. <laughs> Let me stop there for a minute because we, we were talking about Janet Griffin. You proclaimed her MVP. Good pick. One footnote. Um, the writer said, this writer, Gene Stubnitsky, he was quoted saying, most scripts get rewritten. And I think this was the only one ever done that didn't. The only thing that was changed was that in our first draft, Jan hits the neighbor's car and kills it on purpose. Neighbor's cat. And then they said, we decided that maybe that was going too far. In a deleted scene, she sprays. She spray paints she, a cat. Yeah, like, she gets it, accused yeah. of very weird. She was like babysitting, and then they accused her of not being awake while the kids spray painted the cat. But then when she's drunk at the dinner table later, she looks like she's going mad and claims that she was the one that actually spray painted the cat. Right? Is that the one you wanted to watch? No, no not okay. the one I wanted to watch. Okay. I wanted <laughs> to watch the one where Dwight is at the dinner party and walks up to Angela near the front door. Okay, Let's see if we can find. I noticed you're wearing open-toed shoes. Since when did you become a whore? (laughs) There might be a lot of things about me that shock you. Now, if you excuse me, I have to get back to my date. (laughs) That's that's hilarious. The the whore line is ridiculous. But what are the other things? Like, what are the other things? Nothing. nothing. Other than that she cleans her cats with her own tongue. Okay, let's move on to shrewding it. I really shrewded it. All right. And this is the category where we take issue or at least poke holes in the story a little bit. And um, if you made a mistake, you shrewded it. So you got some shrewded, 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 some. They're not great. Last, If everyone goes back to last episode, I really like went out of the park with all my shrewding for the the injury. You you led the league. So everyone's got to go check that one out. The first one I have is Andy and Angela. They show up to the dinner party. Um, but no one acknowledges it. They're like half an hour to 45 minutes late to this dinner party. Right. They um, they show up after Pam and Jim have already been on the tour, already like right. entered the house. That's a good point. They, they went upstairs and they went to the workspace and stuff like that. They came back down and then finally they decide to show up and no one ever comments that it's a little little weird that you they would showed think, up this You so would late. think that they would show up earlier than Jim and Pam just judging by how much the people actually want to be there. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, good point. That's a pretty good one. Um, yeah. My second one, this is kind of more of a question. Michael said, do, well, trivia, do you mm-hmm. know how much it cost Michael for that plasma screen TV? 
$200? Is it really $200 with that tiny little screen but that's, at this time? Okay, so that's the I had that written down. The joke is that that is a very small amount of money to pay for a TV. But and because at the time if you wanted a big screen TV, it was at least you were starting at like a thousand bucks. Really? Yes. So now this is this is one of these um Bill Simmons on one of his podcasts has a category looking back at movies and the category is what hasn't held up well. It this didn't, would didn't this, age well. This would fall into that in and there's there's more. Uh, Jan also I mean Jan Pam also mentions that Jim screwed up when he tried to set up her TiVo. TiVo. No one knows what that is anymore. I mean, I remember what it is. It, it's basically the first DVR ever invented. And also plasma, right, plasma TV. No one calls it a plasma TV anymore. You're, right. So the joke is, is 200 is a very small amount to pay for a TV, but back, but now you can get you a can pretty get a decent, huge TV you can for get 200 a, bucks. Right. You can get a pretty decent TV for 200 bucks. So that's a good, that's, it's, um, it's sort of a shrewd in hindsight. I it's think a, so. It's a <laughs> director should have known that that was going to happen. They should. <laughs> um, right. And then my last one, probably my strongest of the shrewding, shooting it is where did Jim and Pam go after dinner? The hot dog place, hot the, dog burger, the burger place. place. Yeah, they just ate a full meal. Why do they need to go to they, get burgers? Right. That's a good one. They did they, eat. They legitimately ate. It was a good meal. It looked like Jan prepared. It's called asabuco, which is like veal or something. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was like a full meal. If you look at the plates, it's like rice with it and some vegetables. It looks, unless they didn't finish because the people had the uh, the police came. Yeah. I mean, they did try to duck out early, and a big theme of the thing is that they're they're hungry. But you're right, they did eat. It's a good one. Thank you. Going, I'll accept that. All right, I got a few. None of them are like super great, but I got a bunch of them. When Jan creates a scented candle that smells like fire, does fire itself have a scent? That's my question. Like, Or does it, maybe it smells like wood. Is that wood. not just the smell of burning? Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Right. So that's what's a little weird. Maybe that must be a director. It's like a little like subtle. Yeah. Like, th this is how stupid her business is. It could be. Could be. Um, number two. Jim and Pam are starving throughout the whole. They make it very clear. I just want to eat because mm -hmm. I'm in a I'm at a dinner party for crying out loud. They seem like they're hungry right from the beginning. Like if I showed up at a dinner party at six and if I didn't eat until maybe you know eight, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump out the window. Or they anything. even like in the deleted scenes they bust out like a granola bar. Right, exactly. And they're like secretly eating. Right. Like, yeah. Why? Why so hungry? Yeah. Did they not eat that much? Yeah. They you know have a glass of wine. Relax for crying out loud. Uh, so. During the sequence where Jim pretends that he gets a call that his apartment is flooded, mm -hmm. you remember he he announces that and he says, Pam, we got to go. And so then Michael says, well, you don't both have to go for that. And so then Jim says, OK, see you later, Pam. He's taking off without Pam. Would he really do that? That That's one of my hot takes. Because okay. that goes in. I don't know if we talked about this on the pod or not, but yeah. we talked about that there's the conspiracy theory that Jim's actually a, a jerk. Dick. Yes. Like, <laughs> a complete dick. Yes. And yes. There's a whole list of things. Yeah. He legitimately is going to duck out without her and yeah. leave her at that dinner party. Yep. yep. If not for Pam's quick wittedness, he, he would have been able to do it. I know. And the thing in, in real life, I mean, this isn't real life. It's the office. But. Someone like Michael wouldn't suggest that Jim leave without his date, and yet Jim accepts this ridiculous suggestion. So that's one. Um, this is maybe a mild one, but Dwight is not invited to the party. Dwight shows up unannounced, and Michael invites him in and is excited that he's there. What, like, why, is, why, does he, why does he invite him in with such enthusiasm? Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. A little weird. 
he weird. purposely didn't want him there in the beginning, right? Too correct. And then he's like happy to see him. Like he's my friend. Yeah. I need him here. Well, see, okay, so maybe that the answer lies in that very line. In other words, it is. It's a point in the evening where Michael is so frustrated with Jan. I guess so. And now someone shows up at the party who actually wants to be there. So all right. Um, what I didn't like the end when the police show up. And the cop says, "It you know, let's face it, it's not a real reason why the police should be there. It's just Michael and Jan screaming at each other. Right. So they show up, and as cops will do, I imagine, they say, you could just keep it down. And at one point, one of the cops says, you know, you don't have to press charges, but Michael misunderstands, of course. He yeah. says, I'll take the rap. And then no one, like, pipes up and says, and, like, that cop that says, you can just be more quiet, he doesn't say anything else. Instead, the other cop says, you should go someplace tonight, like, right. why, like, why do they take, why does Michael need to sleep at, at Dwight's? Another, another piece of yeah. that is, Michael says, that, like, this is literally quote-unquote, or not quote-unquote, but pretty much by quote, um, he says, oh, my girlfriend just threw a dundee at my TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it, the the police, they, like, intend to, like, it's not intend, but they know it perfectly. They know exactly what he's saying. Yep. And they say, oh, do you want to press charges? Right. Who knows what a Dundee is? Yeah. Who, like, oh, right, 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 you know right. You right. I mean? Yeah. I guess they they assumed it was something. I don't know. Um, my last one is when they're having the totally uncomfortable conversation in front of everyone about how Michael got a vasectomy and then he got it reversed. And then Jan can't decide whether or not she wants to have kids. And Michael really does want to have kids, mm -hmm. clearly. And Jan says in exasperation, fine, let's have a... She says, let's have a fucking kid. It gets beeped in the show, of course. Um and Michael says, looks at her. It's really kind of a sad moment. Michael yeah. says, do you really want, like, genuinely, he's like, can we really have a kid? Do you really want to have a kid? And she just walks off and says, I hate my life. She does. Right. So, I mean, maybe she's just terrible and she just spurts things out of her mouth. But when she said, let's have, let's have a freaking kid, that didn't sound like she was joking, did it? Like she was. No, it didn't. Yeah. And so, and so I thought Michael's reaction was actually fine. And then. Then all of a sudden, no. I guess she doesn't want to have a kid. So bad on you, Jan. And it's a little confusing. That actually goes part of my one of my hot takes. Okay. Which is that? Wait, we're getting we are we we're up to that right now. As a matter of fact, yeah. aren't we? George yeah. Foreman Grill. The George hot Foreman takes. Grill. Hot take of the week. We got the bacon frying on the Foreman Grill. Um, so Good. my first one is that well, I already had the gym. Isn't the night? Isn't a nice guy? But um, Jan has serious mental issues. <laughs> Jan is like seriously <laughs> not yeah. okay because yeah. she says that I hate my lifeline. She's constantly just like sniffing candles and listening to to Hunter just because she can't bear being in the same room as Michael, who she has to live with. I know. She d is not in a good mental space. You said the line that I was like holding on to. Mm. I, she literally mumbles, I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate uh, my life. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, she's completely losing it. One other moment, which is, it's terrifically awkward she picks up and this would go along with your MVP pick for because it's a great moment. She starts dancing to Hunter's song. No one else is dancing. She, she apparently tries to get Jim to dance, but Jim won't get he out of his seat. Up. So he ends up awkwardly swaying his arm a little bit as Jan holds his hands. Oh my God. The height of, yeah. of cringeworthiness. So yeah, she's losing it. Okay. That's a good hot take. And then my last one is something, um, you may not have noticed because, the there's like this is probably not good because in the beginning it's obvious that Michael like set the whole thing up that he wanted just the the overtime assignment was a fake the whole time and that he was just using it as a way to invite Jim and Pam to 
the dinner party, but mm -hmm. he even thought about it so much that he talked to Jan about it beforehand about the guest list yeah. because he has the line that uh, when Dwight enters, he tells Jan, you said I couldn't invite Dwight uh -huh. because of X, Y, and Z. Right. He had already talked about inviting Dwight and Jan must have had the idea. No, it's a dinner party with couples. Like we need couples. Right, right, so, right. So even more to Michael's credit, he had really thought about this ahead of time. He had. Yes. The scheme of Michael Scott finally coming to fruition. I have two kind of quick ones. One is just Angela's the worst. Okay, we kind of already touched upon this. But, she is. But it, in this episode alone, she, you know, um, refuses to take the flower that Andy presents to her. She throws Pam completely under the bus, suggesting this this uh, this uh, sexual tension between Michael and Pam that clearly does not exist, um, other than perhaps maybe on Michael's part. And then the final the final um, blow is when Andy nicely takes her to get ice cream after the dinner party. He just leans over and takes one little lick of her ice cream to be playful. And Angela is completely disgusted. And not only is she disgusted, not only does she throw away the ice cream, but she puts it right on the side of Andy's car and just mushes it there. And it's like, how are they possibly a couple? Um, my other hot take is that Michael Scott seems to be drawn towards women who have uh, these deep, sexually deviant deviant. Uh, tendencies um the one that's maybe not so bad is the woman who he hooks up with that he meets at the dave and buster's, buster's. place now she's not a deviant but she's definitely kind of scandalous because she's sneaking, it's an affair it's an affair she's sneaking around um you might not remember this but when carol breaks up with him there's an episode where you know his real estate agent carol who is played by the actress who is steve carell's actual wife it's it's a good little run of episodes there but Michael loses her when he does this this ridiculous thing where he puts he imposes his face on an old picture of Carol and mm -hmm. and her ex husband yeah for a Christmas card which is terrible so Michael she comes in she says this is weird we have to break up he is despondent and then as he's lying on the floor in the bathrobe given to him by Dunder Mifflin he says for, as a Christmas gift. He says, I think maybe it was because certain people wanted me to do certain things in bed that I didn't feel comfortable with. Really? Yes. I that was, remember that. That was about Carol. And then Jan is clearly nuts because she's got a video camera set up in the bedroom. And there's a different episode where Michael is explaining that he has a safe word and this <laughs> between him and Jan if things get too intense and it's foliage. And Michael says he said it once and Jan pretended not to hear him. And then so. there's, an, there's another part of that, which yeah. is that... The first time that Michael and Holly hook up is in the office. That's true. Which is like a little scandalous as well. That's like, true. Very naughty. Thank Although you. at least they were both single at the time. And that was. That's uh, fair. Yeah, he was. They were each other's. I mean, they were soup snakes. So, you know, soup they snakes. were meant to be together. Okay. Um, that's it for hot takes. Do you, we want to do our dundies and then we're we're out of here, man. So. I, pr I presented my dundie You're already to best scene um, that charade scene with Tom Cruise and yes, um, all that, which was just hilarious. We already played. That's a good Dundee. My Dundee would be Creepy Crush, and the Creepy Crush goes to Michael for this kind of subtle yet uh, unmistakable crush she has on Pam, which comes up at various points during the course of the show. Mm -hmm. At one point, he says to her something like, hey, if... 
in 10 years, if neither one of us has had a baby, do you want to? And she keeps saying no. And then he gets up to like in 15, 40 yeah, years or something. Yeah. She finally breaks down and says, yes, there's, there's this episode where Jan somehow has gotten the idea that Pam and, and Michael used to be a thing it must've come from hints from Michael, right? Don't you yeah. So that's another thing. Yeah. She claims that Michael had already told her about their history together. Right. But Pam has been engaged for however long, and then when she breaks up with Roy, right. a couple months later, she's dating Jim. Yeah, that's just weird. So somebody's lying or, or making too much out of it. But then there are these other little moments. Remember the episode where Jan like puts her hair down and fluffs it around, and, and Michael comes out and says, Oh, Mikey likey. You should yeah. wear it that way all the time. Um, so that's a creepy crush. Doesn't oh, and this, also, this, go ahead. Doesn't he also lean in for a kiss? Yes, yeah. that's the last one I was gonna say. And I think it's the Diwali episode where they're both kind of outside that's true. with no dates, and Michael thinks it's time to lean in for a kiss. Pam and Pam After is like, he's "Are just you nuts?" Proposed to Carol. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's just confessed his love that he wants to spend the rest of his life with another woman, and then 15 minutes later, he's leaning in for a kiss with his receptionist. Only Michael Scott. Only Michael Scott. All right, make sure you join us next week where we unveil the sixth best episode ever of The Office. We're going to, as we do, we will give you a hint. A, just a one word. You got one word or two words or what do you a got? Couple, a little uh, phrase, little maybe. phrase, little phrase that will give you a hint. Griff, you go first. Um, I'm going to go with grain of rice. Grain of rice. I'm going to go with bandit. There are your clues, ladies and gentlemen. We forget anything, Griff? Uh, I think that's about it. Dinner party. We survived it. Just a few little cringes. It was worth it. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. If you know someone who loves The Office, share this podcast with them. Send it along. We need the love. Our need for love is not quite that of Michael Scott's, but it's, it's close. It's pretty close. It's there. It's there. So, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the great Griffin Yaz, I ask you, why is a Dundee impervious to glue? Why is Michael sleeping at Shroot Farms tonight? And why is Hunter's song still stuck in our heads? Take me by the hand. Why? 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 Because that's what they said. See you later, everybody. Do one, Griff. That's what they said. That's what they said. That's what they said. <laughs>